the clap. All right. Well, greetings and welcome to One World in a New World. It's a new rendition of a show that I did back in the early 90s about how we can all learn to work together better. And now that we're, now I'm 30 year plus years older and I think many others are kind of in the same place I am. So I'm reaching out to a lot of really uh, in tune, in pre uh, very present and knowledgeable people who have been doing the work along these years. And we're gonna be inquiring about how they got where they were at, what they found and how that can be helpful to the rest of us. All right, and with that, uh, I'd like to welcome Dr. Robert Gilman to the show. Uh, Robert was a, started out as an astrophysicist and then thought, you know, maybe better that that, that, that turned towards the planet instead of the stars. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a valiant idea. Uh, he's had a really interesting background with sustainability um, as an elected official for a short time, and that he's uh, kind of a planetary midwife for helping to usher in a new age and which we're right at the uh, cusp of now. So Robert, I appreciate your coming to the show and, and thank you very much for being here. Yeah, well, happy to be here. Well, let's just jump right in. You know, you, you've you got this, it's Context Institute. Right. So let's start there. Um, how did you develop that concept and uh, what were some of the things that piqued your curiosity and your inspiration in order to do so? Yeah, well, it's Context Institute is 42 years old at this point. So going back to the, the late 70s, um, and it's, I've been kind of pursuing community in the, in the late 70s, and I won't go through the whole story, but wound up in Milwaukee, where um, David Spangler and Malenko Matanovic and others of what are now known as the Lorian Association were doing um, evening classes, uh, special classes. And we arrived just kind of at the end of the class and there were the people in the class were saying, you know, we like the philosophy, but we'd like something more grounded. And my wife and I had been spending quite a bit of time doing what we like to describe as living lightly. And so we decided that we would offer a course uh, through the extension service on living lightly, which we did, and it was fine. But uh, yeah. The living lightly, could you kind of expound on, on what that really means? Well, it, it was meant to be multi-level in the sense that part of it was in a, a light environmental impact. Okay. Um, um, but also it was, you know, uh, a sense of living with a light spirit, with a bright, with a bright spirit. Mm -hmm. um, no particular spiritual orientation, more just, just generally. Um, it doesn't and, always need to be. No, right. Um, so we, out of that experience, it was clear that we had something to share that people were interested in, but I felt that, you know, it's just not, it's not my thing. It doesn't work for me to, to do a one-off and then move on to the next group and have the, and have the people who are in the group, you know, that was fine. It, I mean, I, this is a little harsh, but it, it can wind up being middle-class entertainment. Oh, yeah. and, and growth is, can, is 
continuous. It, it's not right. just like you say, a one-off. Right. So, so we felt we needed to do something that was embedded in community more. And, and we, um, we actually came back to where we were living in Washington state and uh, which was on the North Olympic Peninsula, just uh, south, yeah, just south of Victoria and British Columbia. Um, and uh, so we came back and among other things, we, we had all these friends, some of whom were really into solar heating, some of them were into alternative health, some of them were into organic gardening, but they didn't see themselves as connected. We did. And, and we said, this is all part of Living Lightly. So we created the, the North Olympic Living Lightly Association. And that was actually how it all started. So what I hear you saying is that you were able to, from an objective place and maybe mm -hmm. at a distance, see all of these dots being connected and then work to figure out a, a way to actually do so. Right, and, okay. and it was largely a matter of supplying a, a container and a venue, and, uh, and we had a, a, a little six-page Xeroxed um, monthly newsletter uh, put out on a selectric typewriter. Boy, were that that was awful. Uh, <laughs> I remember those. Right. Um, so that's where we started, and then after a couple of years of doing that the League of Women Voters started doing solar home tours and we figured we'd already, you know, it, it, it had been diffused into the, into the uh, surrounding culture. Mm -hmm. Plus we were getting more and more requests for, from further and further away for our little newsletter, you know, first from other parts of Washington then the West Coast and the US and internationally. So we decided maybe this is time to go from a six page monthly to a 64 page quarterly. Well, it's interesting to point out that how um, the flow began when you, you started mm -hmm. small and this was an organic thing that you didn't necessarily push. It was something that um, seemed to be ready to manifest and, and this process just unfolded. Um, you just happened yeah. to be the right place at the right time to initiate it. Right. But I do want to say relative to the unfolding that, you know, I have my struggles when something gets going um, and it's it's going along and I have a kind of loyalty to it. So it's it took a little bit to get me to the place where I was ready to say, OK, we're ready to move on to the next phase. Right. Um, so, so I don't want to. It, it, organic, yes, but I'm part of, part of the organic and, and, you know. Sure, and we all change and grow and mutate and, and right. you know, follow that growth pattern, whatever it may be, that we don't necessarily understand at the initial uh, right. engagement. Yeah, it's so, so much easier to make a coherent story looking backwards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and in the process, it, it's like, you know, the, you're in a river, and you don't necessarily know where that river is going to go. All you know is that you're in it and you don't have to struggle. Mm -hmm. right? Well, you don't have to, but that doesn't mean that I didn't. Right, because we have fears. Now, right. um, what, what kinds, speaking of, what kinds of things did you have to deal with internally, the, the fears uh, uh, that came up for you in this process? And, and some of those are probably going to be similar to others too. Yeah, well, it was... Um, 
you know, what we were doing was not like it was a big financial return. So mm -hmm. we, we had our, our financial challenges. Um, and, but I was able to learn that we would keep having this experience of coming to what I thought was the end of our rope and then new rope would grow out of the end of it. So, so one of the things that I've kind of noticed through, through this process for me, you know, it mm -hmm. started early on for me with an NDE and, and mm -hmm. some very interesting things that happened out of that. And then going into light, coming back with this understanding that basically we are cosmic consciousness condensed into form. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we recognize those patterns and evolve with them to where we experience some state of harmony, right? So in this process, there's this um, kind of reticence to like, okay, are we going to move forward? And then comes the, I call it the, this is one of the Trinity or Trinitized effects, mm -hmm. the faith, love, and trust. Yeah. That oftentimes, you know, we kind of doubt, and I think everybody doubts, you know, whether, whether they're going to be successful or, or this is going to mm -hmm. be able to be accomplished and things like that. But we step into it. We lean into that. Mm -hmm. not knowing where it's going to go and then finding out that that rope does extend <laughs> almost uh, on cue, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, they, the universe is happy to deliver res resources exactly when you need them. And exactly. Course, you, you know, as, a, as a human being, I want to know that they're there bef before I need them. Um, right. So the... the so that's that's certainly part of part of the issue. Um, the you know another piece was that I've I've always approached things in a in a kind of systems way and uh, seen the multiplicity of pieces. And you probably know the the story of the blind men and the elephant. Mm. Um, um, and so I think one of the one of the struggles is that I would be offering up this elephant to people and they would grab onto a part of it and say, you know, oh, well, thank you for offering me this trunk. Uh, and I say, no, 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 it's just part of the elephant. Uh, and, and, um, well, and, and that's the thing I think that it is most challenging is that because of all of these multiple perspectives, you know, there's this circular mm -hmm. view and mm -hmm. everybody's got a piece of it. Mm -hmm. And how then do you create the spokes and then the hub that they can all see themselves in, mm -hmm. right? And, and that seems to be kind of what you're in process of. Right. Cool. Yep. So in this process, um, in, in the, and I, I think you already mentioned this, that, you know, your learning was that, yeah, there is this faith, love, and trust that comes over time once these kinds of events have repeated themselves enough to where you get to the end of the rope and mm -hmm. then suddenly the rope extends. And right. so there's this ultimate trust that when you get into those places, you know something is going to happen. And I think part of what, especially now with this shift from the Great Reset to the Great Awakening, and I'll just put it mm -hmm. encapsulated in that, that there's this understanding that, yeah, we've been taught to be afraid of each other, but are we really? 
and how can we extend it and find out that this trust now is there and that we can all begin to look forward to a brighter future and not necessarily one that's been so controlled because like you said, we're looking at things in, in a systems way now. I mean, mm -hmm. Senge came out in the 90s with, with the, uh, the corporate you know, push mm -hmm. to, for mm -hmm. systems thinking. And now there's this uh, regenerative movement mm -hmm. that includes a, a holistic picture that of body, mind, spirit, soul, mm -hmm. and planet. Mm -hmm. Because that we all are conscious beings. You know, Gaia Principle's been around for how long? Right. And how have we tuned in to um, that capacity that we have of being sensitive, mm -hmm. right? To stop our, you know, stinking thinking mm -hmm. and just pause for a moment and, and ask a question and listen. So how do you see the, this process being uh, brought into local environments and benefiting the future growth of more um, compatible communities and more even holistic communities. Yeah, well, I've traveled a fair journey since back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, so the at this point, my sense is that the 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 kind of the key issues really um, have to do with uh, such things as our largely unaware monopoly of categorical thinking, which is really embedded in the way that we use language. Um, and, uh, and also the, the degree to which everybody carries trauma of one sort or another, that it's, it's, it's really difficult to get out of childhood without some trauma. And this is, I'm a parent, it's not blaming parents, you know. Um, uh, but the culture really has been clueless about how to deal with all that. So um, the, the, the places where I see uh, the, the deep leverage points, if you will, have mm -hmm. to do with our getting a, a, a deeper self-understanding, learning what we can do to deal with the what I like to think of is the common garden variety traumas that just about everybody carries and that are so common that we just treat them as if they were human nature uh, without realizing that they're, an, that they're a slice of the human possible, but there's a lot of other territory that's also the human possible. Uh, and, and so this is one of the things that's been a wonderful discovery for me has been the, the, uh, the work of Stephen Porges um, and uh, in terms of the, how do I say this? The, I mean, he, he, he's a scientist and he talks about it as the polyvagal theory, but that okay. it's gonna go over the heads of many people because it's not familiar language, but it really is the recognition of how central safety is in terms of the way that we respond to life and that we have a very ancient um, threat detection system in us, um, amygdala, you know, all of that stuff, that whose job it was and still is to protect us from really immediate physical danger, 
Mm -hmm. But we humans have repurposed it because our imaginations are so good so that we are, are we imagine all kinds of things that we that then activate our threat detection system. So we're going into fight flight and uh, you know all of this stuff on the basis of our imaginations about things that are not here now. Right. Um, now, do you also find that um, you know I have a dear friend that's an Aikido instructor and, and was president of the Association for Alternate Dispute Resolution mm -hmm. in America? Um, he's kind of said there really is no conflict. There's just miscommunication. We each come to the table with a different dictionary and are triggered by the words in those dictionaries because we don't understand what the other person actually means with the words that they use. Um, it, and it sounds like this is kind of a similar thing because this is how we react to people when we feel right. threatened. And it's usually not necessarily um body language is probably part of it mm -hmm. but the words i think are, are what begin that and rather right. than having this active learning or active listening process mm -hmm. right that's kind of a panacea if, if you will for engaging and, and overcoming fears between individuals that this is a, a it seems like this is a similar path and, and what you're and pattern of what you're saying exists. Yeah, well, to some extent. Okay. Um, but the my sense is that we we emerge out of childhood uh, in various ways with places where we have um, sore spots, mm -hmm. you know, emotional landmines of one sort or another. Right. We also have certain limiting beliefs, which is the more cognitive side, and we have places where we have missing skills, and. And so it's important to be able to deal with all of that. And listening is, can be one of those missing skills. Um, uh, and I, you know, I would agree that we get, you know, we get triggered by each other. And once you're in a place where you have two people who are both triggered interacting with each other, it's right. hard, it's hard to get Insecurities just exponentiate it, yeah. from that place. Right, they're, right. They're exacerbated yeah. in that process where people don't understand each other. Right. And so this is where one of the things that we work with is, is what I call your optimal zone, mm -hmm. which is the place where you are not in defense, uh, where, you feel, where you feel safe in the moment um, and so um, are, are not acting out of your defenses. And when you're in that place, then what emerges naturally from you is love and creativity. Uh, I would totally agree with that. You know, um, it, even up, even from a neutral place, mm -hmm. if you're just, you know, recognizing that um, there are no threats around you, you look around yeah. and hear something, and, and it's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. You right. Know, why yeah. am I thinking these thoughts that right. say that I'm not okay when everything around me and the person in front of me is indicating that everything's just fine? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do we, do you find that we often will create something that doesn't exist when we're in that place? You mean if you're in the defensive place? Yeah. Or, yeah. If you're in the defensive place, you're, you're very much looking at the present through experiences in the past mm -hmm. so that um, and in some ways, you you almost shifted emotionally. You've shifted into the past, and so yes, you create things that don't exist. 
so how are you seeing the the results of the efforts that you've had over the, the last few decades? What kind of changes do you notice in the people that you've touched and in the world in general, as far as addressing these kinds of things and yeah. what yeah. is possible and, and the reality of what's happening today? Yeah, the, well, so there, again, back to the complex elephant. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, one of the places where I think people have responded to, well to what I've offered has to do with the way that I understand the, the flow of cultural history and that we're, we're in this time of deep transition that's been going on for hundreds of years. It's not like it's this decade, uh, uh, but when you understand that transition better, uh, that it, it makes it easier to align yourself with a positive momentum and sure. in terms of what the changes are and and one of the, the the big remaining one if you will we've we've already transitioned a lot out of where things were 500 years ago oh absolutely uh, um but the big remaining one is we still have the belief that the way to organize things is in dominance hierarchies um and that's become less and less of the reality on the ground. Um, but um, but people still orient that way either right. because it's interesting that, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, either because they they say, yes, I want the dominance hierarchy or they say, no, I need to resist the dominance hierarchy. Um, and it's really not the game that's the fundamental game right now. Um, the fundamental game isn't that stuff. The fundamental game is uh, is bringing in and uh, innovating the the new cultural patterns that will allow us to live harmony within, harmony with others, and harmony with nature. And just I'll stick in one more thing and then give you some space. But uh, for me, an important part of what shifted in the planet is that there was a time when harmony within, harmony with others, and harmony with nature was nice but it was not smart. It wasn't the, the, the smart way to worldly success. You and I might think it was smart, but, but the world didn't think it was smart. Um, instead, what the world thought was that the way to success was enforce the three dominations, the domination over self, the domination over others, and the domination over na nature. Well, we were told some years ago, I'm, you know, and, and even I would say the majority of folks to uh, what's been written in a book we call the Bible today, and, and right. that there's this um, notion that we were given the earth and 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 to have domination, yeah, over right, it, right, or dominion, dominion, right. right. And we have completely misunderstood this word, and and actually, what I think was meant was stewardship. Yeah, right. Right, which is a whole different story. Absolutely. But understand that the Bible, uh, is basically all of the major religions, whether it's uh, Buddhism or uh, Islam or Christianity or Judaism, all come out of the past 5,000 years. Uh, you know, not exactly 5,000 years, but that chunk of time. Sure. Which culturally 
the way to, the, the, the basis of social organization in those agrarian empires was violence enforced, religiously sanctioned hierarchy um, everywhere. And so all of all the religious stuff is, is part and parcel of that. And that doesn't mean that there isn't some really valuable spiritual signal in there, but True. there's, a, there's an overlay it's people, it was all expressed in the language and the understandings of those times. Right. Uh, now, in this epochal change we're in from the Piscean mm -hmm. to the Aquarian age, this kind of fits in because there, there's multiple patterns, calendars. Right. Um, you know, there, there are sequences that we're in as far as uh, even in the, the big picture of a planetary civilization evolving. Mm -hmm. Right, and they go through certain stages, and, and Kardashev talks about the type one, type two, and type three uh, civilizations, and, and mm -hmm. you know we're not even close to a type one yet. However, we do have some inklings that yeah, maybe that's a good place to go. We mm -hmm. just don't necessarily know how. And so, what you're offering and, and what you found in the the things that you do mm -hmm. is a way. Yeah, it's, that. it may not be the way, but it's a way that works. Yeah, and it's. I would say it's a way worth exploring. Sure. And and so and and I I say that in the I mean I've devoted my life to it. So uh, it it's um, it's a bridge from where we are, um, and and that bridge does involve doing what one can to build the new. To create, you know I'm very much with Book, uh, Buckminster Fuller who used to say that, that uh, the only way to change something is to make it obsolete. Right. And so- I think Socrates did that too, didn't he? He could very well have. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so the faster we live into, the faster we embody the, the harmony within, harmony with others and harmony with nature, the faster the change happens. Um, now that brings up a really good point, especially in the time that we're in coming out of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Schwab wrote in his book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, a, a couple of questions I thought were really interesting. One personal was, can we be uh, caring and compassionate toward each other coming out of COVID? Now, what COVID, what the, all the, the narrative has done, fallacious or not, mm -hmm. has taught us to be afraid of each other. So how can we incorporate the, the precepts of what you're talking about into a new order of thinking for ourselves and coming out of that fearfulness of, of others? Right. Well, it's, I have to tune into that a moment because I don't- Sure, that's a tough the, question. Because I don't feel the fear. And so- okay. I don't particularly either, but- right with the people that are still wearing masks even, and mm -hmm. the, right. the forced vaccinations and, and all of these things, the restrictions are being put on people simply because it's being done. It, it, mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be much science behind it, if any. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of gives this um, hesitation, almost like a, you know, um, like you're letting out on a clutch and you're not, quite, you know, it, it, it's jerking and it, it had, it's not fully engaged yet. Right. Um, so how, how do you see that or how might others be able to reflect on what's happening in front of them and see it in a different way? 
Yeah. Well, I, I think of COVID the destroyer, COVID the illuminator, and COVID the accelerator. Um, I like that. You know, and there's that three again. Yep. And um, so it's, I mean, I think coming, coming out, if, if we want to describe it that way, it's, it's really important as you look at uh, other people, as you connect with other people to, um, it's kind of like we've been hunkered down with a hurricane going on and now the hurricane is, is passing. Mm -hmm. And, and so you can look at other people, not fearfully, but understanding that, that actually you have a new bond, right? Uh, a new shared experience. Plus we've discovered that all kinds of things that, that used to be said is, oh, that could never happen. <laughs> um, right. and, and so that actually opens us up to all kinds of possibilities of, of what could yeah. happen. Yeah, if the if these things were possible, and then and like you say, the accelerator, there's been a lot of really good stuff happen. Yeah. I mean, you and I talking here now is a result of that. There are many groups that meet online, uh, mm -hmm. the virtual reality, and there's this. It seems like a magnet that that's been created to bring folks like you and I together in different mm -hmm. ways to share what we've learned in a more global perspective rather than just uh, local or, or even regional. Yeah. Right, yeah, very much so. Um, that's in an important part of what I'm doing right now is what we call the Bright Future Network. And um, that we're close to 300 people in 30 countries. And uh, all done with Zoom. You know what? Sp speaking of the wider world, there it is, right yeah. there. Yeah, it's the wider world. So digitally, um, right. you know, this brings up another interesting thing with the the development of consciousness and sensitivity and mm -hmm. quantum physics and all of these things that I'm, I know mm -hmm. you are aware of because you're a deeply sensitive man and, and you pay mm -hmm. attention to the ebb and flow of what's happening within you mm -hmm. in relation to what, what's going on. Do you see that uh, in some way, because we are tied into this electronic network, um, you know, we, we're kind of electronic. We've got an electromagnetic field that we generate. Mm -hmm. our, mm -hmm. our brain waves operate in electromagnetic frequencies. Um, how do you see this kind of being a, um, a way for us to, to tune in and to recognize that, you know, what, if we're looking for something and we have questions, what's in front of us to answer mm -hmm. those? Right. Yeah. Do you well, see the electronic, or do you find that in your quests online, for instance, mm -hmm. that information shows up when you not when you're not necessarily expecting it, but it answers a question you've been holding for a while? I find some of that. I'm also okay. a, a um, enough of a researcher that. I, you know, I certainly delight. You know where in, to find stuff already. <laughs> yeah, I, I delight in 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 that capacity. I also feel as though the, you know, even though 
like so many things in human life at this point, the the whole um, you know the internet has its has its pluses and minuses and its mm -hmm. places where we're still learning things, but but nevertheless it really has enabled the the world to connect with itself and it's uh, for me it's been a really important part of being able to move to a planetary consciousness uh, because it's not just having a planetary consciousness in the abstract, you're talking with people anywhere on the globe. Right. Uh, and, and, and that, this is the more horizontal peer-to-peer -peer communication happens, the harder it is to maintain these um, pyramidal structures. The pyramidal right. structures need to have people trapped in them. Uh, the more leaky they become, <laughs> The, the more things sure. change. So um, it's... Uh, and perhaps know, also that there's a way that these, um, you know, it, it seems that there's hierarchies in nature as well, right? So we kind mm -hmm. of need to respect that, that these pyramidal uh, structures have all been man-made. Now, how do we, or can we shift those pyramidal structures to something more organic, natural? Yeah, well, I one of the things that I think relative to categorical thinking that we need to be careful of mm -hmm. is what I like to call categorical reversal, where somebody has a bad experience with a hierarchy and therefore says all hierarchies are bad, and therefore we have to try to do everything flat. And as you say, nature doesn't work that way. Uh, it's the, the issue really isn't so much tree structures, hierarchies. The issue is the the traumas that lead to uh, the a dominance mentality, um, you know, the, the uh, back to stewardship. Right. We all need to learn how to be stewards of whatever it is that's in our sphere of influence. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean control, you know, because we, no, as humans, right. this is, goes back to that previous thing. You, you know, we think we have to dominate, we have to control everything around us so that everything's just fine. Right. right? And just the opposite really is what's bubbling up and emerging from a lot of folks in humanity right now in finding that flow. Uh, even uh, Mahaley Csikszentmihalyi Mahaley wrote, you know, in flow of the optimal experience or the psychology of optimal experience. These, um, the, there's the gamma waves in mm -hmm. our brains that, that bring us into this state, uh, into this zone. Mm -hmm. where we're available and our natural proclivities, not the ones that have been, um, that we've been inducted to, mm -hmm. right? Or, or we've acquiesced to for some time just right. because we didn't know a better way. Mm -hmm. Well, now there's a better way. And even quantum physics, I, I think to some degree, and this may be a little far-fetched, but it makes mm -hmm. sense to me is that these relationships that are being magnetized online now are evidence of, further aspects of quantum entanglement. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not seeing that. We're still lost in, in the scientific experimentation of the, you know, the photons that, that are electrons that are vibrating that similarly in, in different right. locations. Well, if that's happening, let's just scale that up and look at what, you know, on a larger scale with us, how mm -hmm. would that work? What mm -hmm. might we experience? And what results or possibilities might exist as a result of that, yeah. just being conscious of it. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So what, and you've kind of hit it around this for a while, but what kind of world do you see evolving now? And what do you, what kind of evidence can you cite of uh, how things are working better and maybe what else needs to change? Yeah, well, it is, it's, it's very much of a mixed story right now, but I, I think those of us who have computers to talk with each other, um, most of us don't realize how much things have changed in the last even decades for large portions of the world. Um, and the, the change that happened in the last 200 years is enormous. Um, so that 200 years ago, you had like 95% of the world's population at, at a next to starvation poverty level. And today it's more like 10%. Now we should, you know, we need to move to the point where it's zero, right. but, um, but that in itself is a huge shift. And we've had an, a similar shift in the level of literacy. Uh, and mm -hmm. literacy is a really important start for people being able to uh, begin to gain a little more control over the narrative in their lives. Critical uh, thinking. Yeah. You know, logic, uh, deductive logic, inductive logic, just, just those kinds of skill sets that um, haven't really been present. And yet now, are, you know, people are starting to ask questions or a little right. better questions. Right. So things are possible now that, that simply weren't possible 100 years ago um, and, and possible for humanity is what I want to say. Mm -hmm. and, and we have this collective challenge. Uh, you know, that, that we, given our current way of life, we are using more than the planet's capacity. Uh, you know, we, we're an overshoot in that sense, given our current way of life. But it's not a technical problem. You know, technically we know how to live within, uh, you know, you're talking about regenerative culture, et cetera. We know how to live within the limits of the earth. Uh, the and and we're probably actually pretty close to uh, the top of population in terms of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, we are in essentially all places other than Africa at this point. Uh, you know, a lot of the other regions are actually declining in population. Uh, so right. we're going from six to eight down to one and a half or two children. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so the I don't know where the half comes in, but. <laughs> it's yeah that's a miracle of modern science yeah. uh, anyway the um so it's we do need to do the harmony with nature we we have a lot to accomplish at a very practical level in terms of harmony with nature but my sense is that we uh, you know we aren't going to do that without more harmony with others and that's going to be very much uh, dependent upon harmony within. So, uh, but the sure. good news is that harmony within is progressing, as well as harmony with others, is progressing in many, many people at uh, a, a historically rapid clip. Um, so, I think that we're going to we're going to find in 
in this decade of the 20s that there will be lots of things where the pundits and the journalists would say, well, we never saw that coming or we could never have imagined. We weren't paying attention. Exactly. Uh, so, so I think that, you know, the, so I don't want to get too much into, into predicting, but I, I want to say that the underlying strategy is that the only way we're going to get to a bright future is by having people who can, in, who not only envision it, but work toward it. Sure. You know, it, and conversations it, like this are, yeah. are I hope, yeah. um, at, at least adding to that momentum. Right. right. So if you could give a, um, a personal insight or, or advice for something that a, a person could do on a daily basis, what would that be? Yeah, so um, I'll actually offer you a very simple, but um, actually quite good exercise that to be done on a daily basis. Awesome. It's, a, it's something that I call the neurological reset. And it has to do with calming the, the nervous system and, and activating the more relational and the more safety oriented part. Uh, and it's, you could do it just with breathing, but we're gonna add something extra to it. Okay. Um, and uh, so the extra thing is to, to scrunch up your cheeks, not with your hands, but just wiggle your nose and, and it looks funny, but when you're dealing with your body, it doesn't, it's not a matter of how it looks, it's how it feels. Right. And what, you, right. what you're doing is that we hold, we hold tension in our faces. And so as you, and as you scrunch up your cheeks and wiggle your nose, you're bringing blood flow in there and stimulating all those, those nerves that are important. Uh, it's one of the reasons that the smile is so important. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you do that, you, you kind of scrunch up your cheeks and then you breathe in through your nose comfortably. And then you breathe out through your mouth, but a little more slowly than you breathe in through your nose. This is heart rate uh, synchronization, uh, coherence okay. uh, activity. Um, and it's how it feels. It's not how it looks. Um, and if you want just a little extra on there, then you can cross your hands over your thymus or your heart. Um, and so, you know, doing this here in our conversation is one thing. Yeah. Right. Now do it another time, but breathe in more slowly this time when you breathe in. So scrunch up your face again and then breathe in really comfortably. And then out slowly. And then one more time, slower still. How's that difference. feel? How's that Huge feel? Difference. Yeah. And so you've always got the equipment. It, it takes under 30 seconds. And if you just do this at various times during your day, but especially mm -hmm. do it if you are feeling the least bit triggered, you know, like you're, uh, you know, the, you're, you're worried about something or you're annoyed about something or, or any of that stuff helps you, this helps you to get back into what I would describe as your optimal zone. Yeah. 
And so I, I can sense that because the, there's well, and, and obviously you get more oxygen, right? You, you slow yourself down, you're consciously aware, or at least your intention is to relax and, and find your center. And, and so you're doing this little ritual that empowers that right intention and attention, yeah, which makes your interactions much more pleasant and at least a little closer to being harmonic right, right? yep yep uh, so so it. in terms of something that you know it's anybody can do it mm -hmm. it's available all the time um and if more people were to do that the energy on the planet would shift and whether they're doing that or, or something else you know this yeah. whole um, this shift that's taking place, it's going to take place. Mm -hmm. And the more conscious we can participate in it with an awareness of the needs of being centered, not being right. triggered, right. and to be open and available for what is to not just embrace us, but for us to embrace it. And this also increases mm -hmm. that uh, right there, that uh, trifecta of harmony. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, the uh, it's my sense is that there may be some. How do I say this? I agree that what's coming, it's in the pipeline. There's mm -hmm. a birth that's underway, and and it's but we're called to be midwives, and so we will have an impact on the character of the birth, and and on how much suffering is involved. Right. how much scarring, et cetera. And so where we really have agency is to reduce suffering and reduce it first in ourselves, but by reducing it, the energy of suffering in ourselves, right. being able to um, bring that out into the wider world. And this is not an unnatural process. No. You know, it, the chaos no. to order is a natural process and, and being the midwives to that diminishes the trauma right for it when we're more conscious and, and participated with others in that process yeah and i i just uh, thank you so much for mm -hmm. sharing your wisdom and, and um the ideas and, and the scope of mm -hmm. how these things can affect the world in general and individually specifically right yeah it's it's a I like to describe it as a fast track, a, a surprisingly nourishing fast track to a bright future for you and the world. It's you know not separate at all, and and you don't Absolutely. have to just focus on the world, and you just don't have you don't have to just focus on yourself. Absolutely, you know there's an interesting thing, um, and I'm going to jump off the precipice mm -hmm. and, and get a little off world here for just mm -hmm. a minute. Not that we're off world already. Right. Um, so there was a, a book that Wilbert Smith uh, compiled, or memoirs of mm -hmm. his work in Canada from years ago, 1950s. He was uh, the uh, director for project management, which was Canada's UFO investigation program. Uh -huh. And it was sponsored by the Department of Transportation. So it was legitimate. Mm -hmm. So he had some conversations with what he called people from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they had said to him was that our, aspect, our understanding of time is incomplete. Time to them is a measurement 
of the change of entropy. Mm -hmm. So this goes to what you just said, where this time of transition can be truncated as we get closer to that state of harmony mm -hmm. because there's less entropy. Mm -hmm. So I like that. There, there's science behind it, right? Right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, well, I thank you very much for your time, Robert. And I mm -hmm. really appreciate uh, the work that you do. And hopefully that this can share it with others to a point where it can help your organization grow as well. And I thank appreciate you. your time. Yeah. Thank you, Zen. Thank yeah. you for being here. Yeah. And I'll close with namaste. Cool. And also, in La Ketch, which is Mayan for I am another you. <laughs> Great. Thanks for being with me today, Robert. You bet. Thank you. You're welcome.